Welcome to the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast. In the dark dawn of our annals, much confusion existed among our ancestors concerning the outer world, which so strongly appealed to their senses. Men knocked at the gate of nature, but were not admitted within. From the unknown recesses there came to them only tons of mystery. A quote on the worship of water from Folklore of the Scottish Locks and Springs by James M. McKinley. Water. In Celtic mythology, the ancients revered this vital element of life. Worship of natural wells and springs appears evident with the discovery of artefacts such as weapons, jewellery, domestic items and even of human and animal sacrifice. Rivers, lakes and the sea were the home of the gods and spirits or a gateway to the other world and thought to be a source of healing. From grave goods found in Celtic burial sites, it is understood that the horse was not only seen as a symbol of power but vital to aid one's journey into the afterlife. The remains of these beautiful creatures have been found in many Iron Age burial sites alongside their masters. Images of the Celtic gods on horseback have been found in what was once Gaul. There is the incredible chalk horse carved into the hillside in Uffington. And in Scotland, the remains of horses have been discovered in Viking burial sites, or the Newbridge Iron Age horse-drawn chariot, found complete with harnesses and bridle bits. Surviving folklore provides a key to our past, and the thoughts and beliefs of the ancients. And so today, I will share with you the stories and tales of the Kelpie, the water horse and the knock. These shape-changing entities whose beginnings lie in our past, and whose memory have lived on to our present day. Welcome to another episode of the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast. Last time we heard about the Selkie, and today we will discover more spirits of the water, starting with the Kelpie. The Kelpie, or the Ichujka, is closely associated with the water horse in Scottish folklore and legend. This creature, whose underwater lair lies beneath the rivers, streams, wells and lochs, and the open sea, is one of the best-known tales of the Highlands. Much feared for its malignant nature, it is often described as taking the shape of a horse, with wide staring eyes and webbed feet. Other descriptions include it possessing the strength of ten horses, of increased size, the Kelpie is said to have the ability to change the colour of its soft coat as well as its form, more often than not, into the form of a man. It is said the Ichushka wanders the lonely boatsides, bridled and saddled, as if waiting for someone to mount it. There are many tales of unfortunate travellers attempting either to lead the creature away or climb upon its back, only to be trapped when it plunged back into the water. Whether in the form of a horse, enticing one to mount the saddle upon its back, or the embrace of an amorous lover, the Kelpie had only one desire, to take its prey. An unsuspecting mortal would disappear beneath the water, never to be seen again. There are tales of underwater layers where its captive was sentenced forever to dwell with the Kelpie, or in more grisly and grim fables, the young man, woman or child were devoured. In Sir John Daliel's Darker Superstitions of Scotland, he writes, Divinities dwell within the deep. Lakes, rivers, fountains, the abyss of the ocean have received the homage of mankind. 
Nothing either satisfactory or sufficiently definite characterises the water kelpie, the water horse or the water bull, some of them judged to be of malevolent nature. The water horse of Shetland is represented as handsome, but when mounted, carries the rider into the sea. The tales surrounding the kelpie and the water horse are so similar it's easy to misinterpret one for the other. In John Gregerson Campbell's Superstitions of the Highlands and Islands, he describes the belief in these supernatural beings' origin. It must be found in the pagan creeds which Christianity displaced, and that they could not be conjured by mortals into appearing or servitude. Indeed, they had even been called each Sith, or an earthly horse. But of the distinct differences between the Kelpie and the water horse, Campbell writes, some writers speak as if the water horse were to be identified with it, but the two animals are distinctly separate. The water horse haunts locks, the Kelpie streams and torrents. In a letter received from a friend in Shetland, we hear this account. Kelpies, I cannot remember of ever hearing what shape they were of. They generally did their mischief in a quiet way, such as being seen splashing in the water about the burns and taking hold of water wheels and holding them still. Another wonderful source I've had the great pleasure of reading is James McKinley's Folklore of the Scottish Locks and Springs, where there is the mention of a demon steed haunting the roadside near Loch Ness, and the interesting tale of a Kelpie who was outwitted by a lucky soul. A Highlander was travelling at night near Inverness, came upon a steed. Managing to capture it by the bridle, he cut it free. Taking the bridle with him, the man hid it within his home, and though the Kelpie had followed him, it could not cross over the threshold of the house to retrieve its treasured bridle, for a cross of round wood hung above the door. Thus, the water spirit became the unwilling property of the Highlander. Another story recounts how a man came upon something glittering on the earth as he was returning home from Lochaber. At his feet, he discovered a finely made silver bridle, but when he touched it, the metal became unbearably hot. Taking it to a wise woman, he was told the bridle belonged to a Kelpie. The silver was too hot to touch as it retained the heat of its molten form and the reins were made from the skin of a poisonous serpent that inhabited the pools frequented by water horses. She advised he hang it on a crook of round wood, which the man did, and from then on he prospered throughout his long life. Upon his death it was passed on to his nephew, who prospered in turn. For the Kelpie, water horse or Ichishka is not only found within the highlands or lowlands of Scotland, we must travel north to the islands, where I had last told you of the Selkies and the Finfolk, and the lasting impression upon the folklore of these islands made by the Vikings. Indeed, we will journey even farther than the islands on our discovery of these tales. In Shetland, the Kelpie is known as a Noggle. In Orkney, it's called the Nogglevy. And once more, we can find it in the rivers, streams and lochs. On the remote Shetland island of Fula, its name comes from the Old Norse for Bird Island. There was a time when mothers putting their children to bed at night would tell them to be good or the noggle will come and take you away. If you recall the letter to Campbell from a moment ago, the one from his Shetland friend, well, the noggle was often seen near Mills, where he would keep the wheel from turning, and that he resembled a horse or a pony, all apart from his tail that looked like the rim of a wheel that was firmly tucked between his hind legs. It was a cunning creature that could disappear in a flash or a flame, but who also feared fire. As a Shetland man discovered one night as he passed along the side of a burn, lit torch in hand, when the light hit the creature rising up out of the water, 
Its eyes fell upon the flame and it sank back into the water. It rushed downwards towards the sea. One last bit of Shetland lore. It is said that there is a standing stone scored with marks that you can still see to this day. It is said that some time ago, local men captured a nuggle and chained it to the stone, but they managed to struggle free and fled. The marks were made by the chains that they had thrown around the creature. In the Selkie episode, I gave a very short history of Orkney and Shetland, of the arrival of the Norse in the 9th century, and the tale of the Finfolk, those creatures who dwelled in their undersea kingdom of Finfolkahim, coming ashore in their boats that also gave them the power to sail from Orkney to Norway and Iceland, to claim unwitting mortal men and women who were never to be seen again. It is also local folklore in Orkney and Shetland that only a Finn man can control the noggle and ride upon its back. These two cultures, the native islanders and the Norse, saw a merging of myth, legend and lore. But there is more to the story than this, as our journey now takes us to Norway, where the Kelpie, water horse Noggle, goes by the name of Nakin, Naki or Nok. This water spirit of the rivers, lakes and waterfalls often takes the shape of a horse or a human-like form. There too, the Nok is considered a being to fear, Legend has it that to speak its name renders it powerless, and there are tales across Scandinavia demonstrating this. There is evidence of an ock being bound into the shape of a horse and put to work in Landnamabok, or the Icelandic Book of Settlements, which is a medieval text that chronicles the settlement of Iceland by the Norse in the 9th and 10th centuries. There is a curious tale of a mysterious horse, which I will read to you now. Chapter 10 Odin Stotti, son of Valley the Strong, settled all the land of Lava Firth up above the lava between the Swine Water or Svinbatten and Troll's House. He dwelt in Lava Firth and he was a mighty man of his hands. From him are the Lava Firthers descended. Odin married Miruna, the daughter of Madad, king of the Irish. Odin saw about autumn how a dapple grey horse ran down from Herdwater to his stud and knocked under the stallion. Then Odin caught the dappled grey horse and yoked it to a two-ox sledge and carted it with all the hay of his field. Until midday the horse was workable, but as the day wore, it sunk with its hoofs into the ground up to the fetlock, and after sunset it broke all the harness into pieces and went to the lake and was never seen afterwards. It would also appear the tale of the Kelpie, Water Horse and the Knock, over time became a useful tool, warning children against playing too close to the water. The similarities are clear and the endings differ relating to how the beast was subdued, but the message remains the same from Scotland to the Faroe Islands. You will find the story of a water spirit taking the lives of nine children, only the tenth surviving by some twist of fate, the intervention of faith, or the words uttered from the mouth of an innocent. As always, I will finish the episode with a piece of myth, legend or lore. And today I thought, instead of telling one tale, I would tell you a few, all coming from the folklore of Gaelic Scotland. As the episode concludes, I ask you to listen for just a moment or two longer to the beautiful song Skywater Kelpie's Lullaby, sung by Kira Gramor from her album Suan Tree. If you can, recall the smell of a peat fire, smoke that hangs in the air, it's the scent of home.
where fields roll towards the water touched by the long limbs of trees, more ancient and knowing than one can ever be. There is a low-lying mist across the loch. The sky above is slate grey, and thunder rumbles above our heads. Darkness gathers, so too does the urge to return to safety, locking the door behind your back and lighting a candle in the window. The Nine Children at Sinert A number of children went on a Sunday to amuse themselves in the neighbourhood of Loch Nadanach. In this district, they fell in love with a horse and caught it, and in their thoughtless sport mounted it. His back got longer till they all mounted, all except one, who had a Bible in his pocket. He touched the horse with his finger and had to cut it off to save himself. The horse rushed into the lake, and the children, nine in number, were never more seen. The liver of one of them came ashore the next day. The Kelpie Stain Once when the River Dawn was in flood, a man needed to cross it to attend a relative's deathbed. The river had a resident Kelpie, a dangerous water spirit, which could, however, appear harmless or even helpful. This creature appeared and offered to carry the traveller across the swollen stream. The man agreed, but when they got to the middle of the river, the Kelpie tried to drown him. Luckily, he managed to escape and scrambled up onto the river bank. Walked of his prey, the angry Kelpie threw a large boulder after him, which rests on the bank and is still known as the Kelpie's stain. The Water Horse at Tyree A man working in the fields at Kelis, in the east end of the island, saw a water horse coming from Loch Anair, a small marshy lake full of reeds. He ran off in terror and left his coat behind. The water horse tore the coat into shreds and then made after the man. The dogs came out when it came near the house and drove it away. A son of one of the chamberlains of the island last century found a horse on the moors and being struck with its excellence mounted it. The horse tore away at full gallop and could not be stopped. They galloped all around the country, till at last one side of the reins broke, and the horse rushed out to Loch Bassable, carrying its ill-fated rider with it. The Water Horse at Akuch Some thirty years ago, a small islet on this lake, about half an acre in extent, was tenanted by a strange specimen of the Highland freebooter named McPhee. He was a deserter from the army who at first took refuge in the cave in the neighbourhood. He took away by force a girl of twelve years of age, and coming the next day to her parents, said if it would give any satisfaction he would marry her, but refused to part with her. A sort of ceremony of marriage was gone through, but McPhee seems several years to have looked upon the girl merely as his daughter. His first child was born when she was eighteen years of age, and she had several more of a family. After his marriage, McPhee removed to the islet mentioned, and remained there undisturbed for many years. He supported himself by fishing, hunting, and taking now and then a sheep or a goat from the land surrounding the loch. Such was his terror of being surprised by soldiers, that he always carried arms about him and slept with a bayonet and loaded gun beside his bed. The country people were afraid of him, and he was commonly reported to be not canny. He was at last evicted by a South Country farmer when he removed with his family to Fort William. In his time, a water horse was quite commonly seen, Lacouch, floating on its side, or as it was called, making a film, and making a salmon of itself, disporting of itself, and then disappearing. <laughs>
On stormy night, McPhee, by his own account, was roused by a loud rattling noise at the door, as if someone were trying to enter. It stood in the door, and McPhee knew it to be the water horse in the shape of a man. He fired twice at it, but it did not move. He called to his wife to bring a silver coin, and when he put this on the gun and fired, the figure went away and was heard plunging into the loch. The people around the loch heard three shots from the islet that night, but whatever cause, they might have been fired. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I have researching it. As always, you can contact me on Twitter, at loremith, by email, mlegendlore at gmail.com. And now to the beautiful song, Skywater Kelpie's Lullaby, sung by Kira Gramor from her album, Suantre. You can find it on iTunes. And now to Kira. Ich bin forscht, ich bin froh, ich bin